This week's John Tapp Racing Podcast is brought to you by Inglis, number one in its field. One of Australia's most talented pacing mares is Amaretto, a rising seven-year-old, in fact she's just turned seven, who's won 27 races, 19 placings, $557,000. A massive return on a purchase price of just $3,500 at the Bathurst Yearling Sale in 2013. She was purchased by the then Ashley Syker, who trained and drove the mare to win 17 races before making the decision to send her to Kerrin Manning in Victoria. She's gone on to win another 10, including the Group 1 Queen of the Pacific at Melton in May. Ashley is now Mrs Ashley Grives, and she's been a notable absentee from the race driving ranks in recent months for very good reason. Ashley and husband Ryan are expecting their first child at the end of October and I'm delighted to welcome this mum-to-be on the podcast today. Ashley, thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. Well, you haven't been race driving, but you've still been doing many of those thankless jobs around the stable. I have, that's for sure. Yeah, obviously um, I have stopped uh, driving, but there's always, as you know, plenty to do around the stable, so I've yeah, I kept pretty active and fit and um, just sort of doing the best I can at this present time, yeah. It must have been a huge decision to send that mare to another trainer. It's well known that Karen has always been your role model. This lady is a world record holder. No woman alive has driven more winners than Karen Manning. So when it came to picking a trainer, there was no contest. Yeah, definitely. Um, Karen is definitely someone I've looked up to and probably the reason I did start race driving. Um, I think for any young female in the industry, she's certainly a role model and someone you'd aspire to be, um, you know, half as good as so. Um, and not only that, Karen's a great trainer. Um, the results that herself and Grant get are just unbelievable and mm. the horses are looked after you know, like the, there's no stone unturned. The horses are in immaculate condition. And obviously it's a really hard decision to let go of a mare like Amaretto. And um, basically we just wanted someone to, to look after her and, and treat her like their own, like we always had. So, um, yeah, I didn't think that there was anyone better than Karen and Green in the industry. And I know they certainly do. They love her and they, mm. they really, you know, treat her very well and they're fantastic trainers. So, yeah, we've had a really good ride since sending it down and although it was a hard decision at the time, it certainly paid off. Amaretto's no oil painting, Ash. She's a plain little mare with a faultless temperament, perfect manners and a real will to win. Yeah, she is. She's, um, yeah, like you said, she's not much to look at. She's quite plain and she was quite small when we bought her, but she had potential to grow and it was probably more so her breeding um, that we liked at the time and she wasn't very expensive and she was certainly worth a go. So even now, like she's a, she's a nice looking man now, but she certainly doesn't catch your eye, but she's got a massive heart and that's what yeah. counts in the end. One of the main reasons you decided to shift her to Victoria was the constant worry that the hectic style of racing at Menangle might burn her out. I mean, they go yeah. a million miles an hour, week in and week out. It's It's got to shorten the, the life of a racehorse. 
Yeah, definitely. And to her credit, she did that that trip for um, four years of her racing career or five years of her racing career, sorry, and and always at the top level. And, um, yeah, the race, she was racing, you know, as hard as she could every week that we took her there. And it wasn't only the racing, the travel from Bathurst was probably pretty tough on her too she put so much into her runs and then the trip you know she'd have a trip home where sometimes she wouldn't get home till two in the morning then and she wouldn't eat for a few days and it was just Mm -hmm. really starting to knock her around and at the time the handicapping um, wasn't great they had uh, 14 horse fields and a lot of the time she was punished at a barrier 14 over a mile, which mm. made it really difficult to get into the race because, you know, she'd run a 53 half home mm. and, a you know, sometimes a 24, 25 quarter home, yeah. which is absolutely flying. You can't possibly go any quicker and she'd only run about fifth and we're just like she's putting everything she can in and she's actually blowing the clock up, but she's not yeah. really getting the results that she probably deserves. So, um, there was good mares races in Victoria coming up at the time, and we just thought that mm. we were sort of getting nowhere with um, travelling her from Bathurst to Menangle at the time, and, yeah, the racing was quite tough. So yeah. uh, we decided to um, send her down for those mares races and just see what happened. And, yeah, we, like I said, we haven't really looked back. So it was a decision that, like I said, at the time it was hard, but it's been well well worth it in the end. Yeah, yeah. Ash, um She's out for a good long spell right now, and you decided to spell her at Yerubi Stud at Wagga. Yeah, she um she's actually due to come back in next week. Um, I spoke mm. to Karen through the week, so she'll um be back at Karen's next week, and um yeah, they'll aim it towards some better races. But uh, yeah, Yerubi are great. They obviously bred her, and uh, they love her as much as we do. And um, yeah, she's sort of everywhere she goes. She's very love so we um we like to you know Yerby do a great job and they've got a beautiful property and it's always nice green feed even yeah. though it's drought at the moment they've got the right feed and you know she's looked after like a queen so um yeah there's definitely no no other place she'd spell other than there mm. Ashley I'll just get you to stand by there while we take a quick little break on our podcast interview back in a moment For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four, in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field. My guest is Ashley Grives. Very, very well known in harness racing here in Australia as a trainer and a driver. Currently not driving because she's expecting her first child due in late October. And we're talking about Amaretto, which Ashley purchased as a yearling at the Bathurst sale. And she's now developed into one of the best pacing mares in Australia. Now, Ash, um, you were born into this game. Your dad, Michael, is a concreter by trade. In fact, he still pursues that trade, but he always had three or four horses around him and you were in the gig at a very early age. Yeah, definitely. Dad's um, certainly the reason that I got involved in harness racing. Um, Since I was a little girl, he always had them, even though he wasn't um, a professional trainer as such. He always had um, a handy stable of, you know, three or four horses that um, I'd always help with and I didn't really have any 
intentions of getting into the industry at that time. I was writing to um, like probably my stock horses and showing and all that sort of stuff um, or the pleasure horse side of things. And mm. um, like I mentioned earlier, Karen, uh, I, I went down to Victoria with a horse called Grin for Seymour for Dad and looked after him yeah. uh, for the Victorian Derby at the time. And, um, you know, just watching the likes of Karen and how successful they were in Victoria – probably wasn't a great deal of females in New South Wales at the time. Like we obviously had, um, you know, Emma Turnbull and Cindy Rickson and those ladies that did a great job, but um, there was definitely more males in New South Wales at the time. Mm. And um, just seeing how much the females really dominated down there and um, especially Karen, she was someone I certainly thought, wow, like she's done Mm. such a great job and she was so good at what she did. And, I'd said to Dad I wouldn't mind having a go because I could ride and I was doing track work at the time and that. And, mm. um, yeah, so I moved, or we came back to New South Wales and I uh, applied for my licence and, yeah, it went from there. And the yeah. females have certainly grown in the sport from that time as well. And, you know, it's probably 50-50 now more so than mm. male-dominated. So, yeah, it just goes to show how the um, females have grown in the industry from that time. Now, Ashley, your first race drive was on a horse called Stage Left at Bathurst, March 06. You led yep. until the last few strides and your old man blew up because <laughs> because you went too fast on Stage Left. I did, yeah. I, um, Dad thought the horse would just lead and win, which he was certainly ready to do. And, um, you know, we knew I had good gate speed and I led as instructed and just cut the ribbons, really. We went a ridiculous time. I can't remember from memory how quick, but I know we went really quick and he just got nutted on the line. And yeah. I thought I drove really well because I almost won the race and I yeah. came back and Dad said, what the hell are you doing? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, why'd you go so quick? Yeah. And I said, well, I thought the races went quicker than the trials. And he said, well, not that bloody quick. <laughs> so I cost myself the race there. But, yeah. um, you were yeah, labelled like, labeled urgent. Yeah, definitely. I just <laughs> let him loose. And, yeah, Dad said, don't ever do that again. Like, get yeah. it. If you can get it easy, get it easy. And yeah. I learned from my mistake that day. I think I only did it once, so that's a good thing. But, yeah, it was um, – <laughs> It's a shame probably not to get that first winner or your first drive, but um, anyway, my mistake and <laughs> well, those things only, happen, I suppose. It was only a couple of weeks later you did win on stage left and you sure didn't go too quick this time. You went a mile rate of just under 2.4, which is unheard <laughs> of these days. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I probably went from one extreme to the other then. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he was a good little horse. He uh, taught me how to drive and – you know, that he just – he was always picking up a check and he's just one of those perfect horses that, yeah. um, you know, everyone probably deserves when they're starting out because he put in every run, he had good gait speed, he just got – he sort of fixed your mistakes a lot of the time too. So he yeah. – um, yeah, he certainly helped me out early in my career, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, you tried a few things away from harness racing. In fact, your first job away from the sport – was in a job recruitment agency called Skilled in Bathurst, but I don't think you took too kindly to office work. <laughs> um, yeah, so I left school 
than I, I got that job in Skillbridge. I did enjoy, but I, I was still doing the horses with Dad at the time, so it was quite long days. I'd mm. work all day and then do the horses sort of in the afternoon with him and then go off to race meetings, and they were really good. They'd let me sort of go when I needed to go, and mm. I juggled the two things at once there for a while. But, um, yeah, office work probably wasn't my thing. I like to be outdoors, and I love the horses. And, yeah, yeah I I'd sort of got – I had success then with my driving and that sort of took off and that's when I decided that I wanted to sort of pursue that and give that a go for a little while and, um, yeah, it worked out quite well. Well, you came to the Big Smoke after that and you spent two years working at the famous Randwick Equine Centre and you worked with several eminent veterinarians, including the legendary Percy Sykes, gone but not forgotten. Yeah, Percy was a fantastic um, guy and he uh, so knowledgeable as a veterinarian, as most people would be aware. And um, my time at the vet, they were fantastic. They, um, again, they supported my driving and um, I, I juggled the both at the time then. I was probably more freelancing then. I had my claim and having quite good success at Howell Park and um, every other meeting. And so I worked my hours at the vets and then went to any race meetings I had to and sort of make up the hours here and there. And mm. they were so supportive and um, they've really helped me, um, I'd say more so now that I'm training on my own, um, you know, just the little things, injuries and uh, problems that arise with horses you're um, very familiar with now that having sort of seen a lot um, working there. So um, I'd say it certainly helped me treat certain problems with horses and, and oh, just yeah. acknowledge certain problems. So, mm. um, yeah, like I said, that was great, great when I was driving and it's certainly great now just to have that experience in the back of my mind. The 2009-2010 season, you carved yourself a little piece of history. You became the first New South Wales female driver to win 100 races in a season. You finished with 160 all up, but the century came at a Bankstown meeting. I'll never forget it. You drove four winners on the day and a horse called Master William brought up the century. Yeah, that was um, a fantastic season. We had uh, really good support. Uh, we trained quite a big team that year and um, and had, you know, some good horses that came through that really boosted that. And um, I also had the support of... Um, Eric Anderson and the Douglas Stable from Victoria would often bring five or six down every Friday to Harold Park. So I was driving, you know, really quality horses that season. And, mm. yeah, it was fantastic. And, yeah, I, I, I remember the day that you mentioned it was a great day. We won, uh, I think it was four gigs on the day as well and, and got the century up that day. So it was, yeah, certainly yeah. a highlight of my career, that's for sure. It was the, the heats of the Schweppes Cup. And every, it was, yeah. every heat winner got a new cart. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't fit all the carts on the truck to go home. No, it was a really good day and, um, yeah, certainly, uh, yeah, you know, even now to win a gig, it's it's a great great thing for the industry and to come away mm. with four, four or five on the day, it was, yeah, a really good price. It was, um, yeah, sorry. certainly. <laughs> yeah. worthwhile, that's for sure. Ash, you've got two sisters, Amy and Mackenzie. Uh, they both gave harness racing a little try they both drove in races, but they both opted to walk away from the game. What are they doing? Yeah, so Amy, um, she started off uh, before Mackenzie and she helped me um, with the training and, and 
all of that at uh, home. She decided she'd give the driving a go, which the horses, they really ran for her. Um, but she just decided in the end that um, it wasn't for her. She She's a mother of three boys and um, she fell pregnant with her second one at the time of working for me. And, mm. um, yeah, the, it's a tough industry, especially when you've got a family, I suppose. It's very long days, demanding hours, um, time away from family. And, yeah, she just felt she loved the horses, but it just wasn't really for her. So she gave the driving away and, um, yeah, f- focused on her family. They are now actually live in Sydney. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she doesn't have anything to do with the horses now. But, yeah. And young Mackenzie? Yeah, Mackenzie, she gave it a go for a little while. Um, again, they did. They ran pretty well for her as well. But, again, just the demanding hours of the industry and uh, probably looks easier than what it is. And until you're sort of out there yourself, you don't realise. And, yeah, she got frustrated at times and mm. um, probably just, yeah, didn't quite handle the stress or the decision-making and, um, and the hours probably, again, to her weren't worthwhile. So she... Um, she gave it away too, but she's still um, very much into her um, equestrian horses and that, so she certainly mm. hasn't given the horses away but just decided that harness racing uh, wasn't for her. Yeah. Now, Ashley, I want to know a bit more about this husband of yours, Ryan Grives. He's a builder bricklayer by trade with absolutely no background in horses whatever, but you've actually got him driving fast work. <laughs> I have, yeah. No, Ryan's been a really good support. He um he obviously didn't have a horse background, but um he's got the love of the horses in the industry, and um he's quite, I'd say, athletic and sporty. Um, as a kid growing up, so taking up the driving and that, he it came quite natural. So um he's very kind with them, and they do travel well for him. And yeah, I'd say he um he didn't take much to teach. He picked it up pretty well and yeah. Um Ryan's family does have a horsey background. Um his mum grew up with her own horses and um Gaynor Williams is actually part of their family too, a well known mm. thoroughbred trainer. So there is yeah. um a bit of a horsey background there. But yeah, Ryan himself didn't sort of have much to do with them um until meeting me. One of the most successful owners in harness racing over many, many years is Gold Coast property developer Greg Brody, who has been the most significant owner in your training career. How does your association with Greg Brody begin? Yeah, Greg's been like he's been absolutely amazing for our stable and the support that he's given me over the years. It's um been fantastic to train for someone like Greg. Um, we came about training for Greg. Uh, we purchased a horse for John Bryant called Adam of Courage, who oh. Greg owned in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adam of Courage came over and did a really great job um, since arriving in Australia. Uh, he qualified for the Chariots of Fire and, you know, something that we never expected he would do. Um, he just sort of improved every run and, he yeah, he did a great job. And um, Greg actually sent me an email saying what a fantastic job I'd done with the horse and mm. um, it went on from there. He then um, he purchased Lockenbar as a yearling um, mm. and sent him over um, and then, yeah, he, he quickly put, you know, four or five horses in the stable and we yeah. had good success for Greg straight away pretty much. So mm. um, he's been around since then and he's been a fantastic owner. 
Well, Lockenver's been one of the best you've trained, Ash. You won 23 races with that horse, including the Truer Memorial at Bankstown. Probably your most important win. Yeah, definitely. Lockenbar was, uh, you know, the whole way through from two to I think he's eight now. He's just every season and every race he's just put in and he came along at a time of need. Like I really needed that nice sort of horse. And even though he was probably um, a notch below the top level, he he did qualify for group races and, you know, he'd run sort of mid midfield. And it was it's always good to be in those races and get your name out there and, um, and then once you sort of dropped him back a grade, he'd, he'd win. And, um, you know, his true memorial win was fantastic. And, yeah, he certainly, like I said, he came at a time that I really needed a horse like that to shine. And mm. he just, he put in every year for me. And, yeah, he's been a fantastic, fantastic horse over the years. Zabibo was a very good juvenile filly. She ran second to a top Purden filly, Dream About Me, in the final of a Breeders' Crown. But she had a lot of problems, Ashley, didn't she? She did, yeah. Zabibo was a really nice filly. Um, she took a little bit to get going to gate up, but um, she just tried so hard. And um, in the end, uh, she just, we probably never saw her full potential due to all the problems that she did have. But, um, you know, if you could ever take away those problems, I think she would have been a really, really top mare. And mm. um, to her credit, she still raced at a very, at a top level competitively for, you know, the problems that she did have. So, mm. um, yeah, Tracy Ryan's mother actually owned her, so she was another family horse, which was great. And um, I guess the lucky thing is that she, you know, we, we retired her with all the problems, but being a mare, we've um, been able to breed now. So she's got one foal on the ground and um, I guess, you know, at least you've got a career now for her down that road. So, mm. um, yeah, it's hard to lose them, but at least with a mare, and how hard she just gave everything that little horse you know she tried so hard and she just mm. unfortunately her problems just um we couldn't couldn't fix in the end but yeah she was a really nice little mare of the horses in the stable at the moment you've got a very good opinion of a two-year-old called allegretto i think a full brother to amaretto yeah, I do. I really like this little horse. He, even though if you look him up, his record is not not good. Um, he does a few things wrong, and he's quite small. But um, he's certainly got a motor, and when he puts it all together, I think that he'll be a really nice little horse. Um, he probably at the same stage, I'd say he just shows a little bit more toughness than what Amaretto did. Um, but he's also he's got a lot of high speed, but. He's so small and he's just a bit immature and I really think he's got three-year-old written all over him. But, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm confident that he's going to be a pretty nice horse. Yeah. Well, Ash, people will want an update on uh, uh, the impending motherhood that you have. Uh, <laughs> now, you've just made the move from Menangle back to Bathurst, principally because the doctor uh, strongly recommended you slow down a bit. Yeah, it's... um. Like, you know, it's quite a physical industry and um, I've given everything I can up until this point and um, it's probably time that now um, I'm probably got to slow down a bit, which he advised and um, I'm probably looking forward to that. I've, Like I said, I've done the industry for 15 years now without a break and it's, um, it is quite demanding, it's quite physical and it's long, long days. So I'm certainly looking forward to the next few months and just taking a 
just slowing down and taking a bit of time off and being with family. So, um, yeah, we've decided to move back for that time being and um, just sort of build the team back up in time and, and go from there. Well, life is going to change dramatically for you in two and a half months or a little over when a new little person suddenly appears and you'll be <laughs> juggling motherhood with horse training and that is a big task. But you've handled yeah. tough situations before and I know you'll do it again. Yeah, definitely. It's um, it's I obviously don't really know what I'm in for until, until it's here, but um, I'm sure I'll manage. I love... You know, I love the industry and I love the horses and um, this is also, you know, I'm ready to be a mother myself so we'll, we'll make the two work and I'm just going to have to take it step by step at this stage and see, see how we cope but I'm sure we'll get there in the end. Ashley, I really appreciate your time on the podcast today. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the magnificent job you've done uh, thus far and I know there are many, many more winners to come. Thank you, John. It's been a pleasure. For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four, in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field. 